In silence, may we center our hearts and minds so that we may hear God's voice more clearly in our lives. Amen. Happy New Year. Welcome to Holy Communion, or welcome back to Holy Communion after the holidays. With the first full week of January beginning tomorrow and most schools back in session tomorrow, it's definitely the end of holiday time and back to real life. For me and my life, that will mean making menu plans for dinners for the week, getting to the grocery store, and watching my teenagers frantically scramble to get their last-minute homework done. This transition time can be a little rough. Mike and I were talking about it earlier. So I don't want to overtax your brains too much. But if you will, for just a minute, Think of a historical, do a little historical imagining with me right now. What images or pictures pop into your head when I say the name Franklin Delano Roosevelt? Maybe the Great Depression? Anybody Pearl Harbor? World War II? Maybe Churchill? Now, what if I said the name Nixon? What pops in your head? Yeah, I see that, right. How about Clinton? A certain dress color, blue. Many more images of other American moments leap to mind when you hear those names. Notice that today's gospel begins in a very similar way for the audience of the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew opens his second chapter with the phrase, during the time of King Herod. It conjured historical images for those listeners, just like FDR, Nixon, or Clinton conjure images for us. That phrase, in the time of King Herod, meant something to them. When the wise men from the East arrived during this time of King Herod, Herod had been a king for about 30 years, and he had already sustained two major coup attempts, conspiratorial attacks on his kingship. One came from his mother-in-law, yikes, and the other came from Cleopatra. So as these three men, traveling with, I'm sure, a large and impressive entourage, came from the east, it was totally feasible that they could have been part of another plot to overthrow Herod. And when we consider that Herod's title from the Roman Senate was King of Judea and that he was a nominal Jew, we can understand why he felt so threatened by the wise men searching for the king of the Jews. Herod valued maintaining power, maintaining the status quo. But the gospel tells us that it wasn't just Herod who felt threatened, but also all the people of Jerusalem. For during the time of King Herod, everybody knew who was in charge, what was important, what was a good idea or a bad idea, who the winners were and who the losers were. 
In these times, a consistent ruler, whether good or bad, meant stability. And changes in power meant war, famine, and death. The people of Jerusalem valued security, stability, and knowing the rules of their own survival. But these wise men, who were astrologers from Persia, which is modern-day Iran, were not oriented toward power, security, and stability. They were likely Zoroastrian priests who valued the wisdom that they read in the stars. They valued finding and paying homage to the king of the Jews. The tension present in today's gospel comes from these competing values, these differing values. Just like Herod, just like Jerusalem, just like the wise men, we all value something. Theologian James Fowler calls this faith. Fowler defines faith as a person's way of leaning into and making sense of life. He goes on to say that faith is a dynamic system of images, values, and commitments that guide one's life. Therefore, faith is universal. Everyone who chooses to go on living operates by some basic faith. Everyone who chooses to live operates out of some basic faith. What do you have faith in? What helps you to make sense of life? What images, values, what commitments guide you? In today's gospel, Herod leaned into and made sense of life through power. Security and stability guided Jerusalem's life. But the gospel says that Herod was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. The value of power and stability brought them fear. For the wise men, the dynamic system of images, values, and commitments that guided their life was the stars, the quest to find the king of the Jews. And though their travels took several years to complete, Jesus was nearly two when they arrived, and they had to search diligently, the final result was that they were overcome with joy. Herod and Jerusalem's faith yielded fear. The wise men's faith yielded joy. What we have faith in has consequences. What is your faith in? And what are its consequences? Our society offers many things to have faith in. Alicia Cara, who's a popular musical artist, names two of them in her song, Scars to Beautiful. Cara sings of our society's faith in beauty and surface appearance, but her powerful lyrics offer another alternative. She instead insists that you should know that you are beautiful just the way you are, and you don't have to change a thing. We're stars, and we are beautiful. 
So instead of placing faith in surface beauty, she places it in the individual self. Our American culture readily agrees with her alternative because America prizes the individual. Just as the faith of Herod, Jerusalem, and the wise men had consequences of either fear or joy, our cultural faith in the individual has consequences too. David Brooks named some of those consequences in a New York Times opinion piece. Brooks, who was quoting French intellectual Pascal Bruckner, writes, being guided only by the lantern of our own understanding, the individual loses all assurance of a place, an order, an understanding. One may have gained freedom, but lost security. We are always shifting, always changing. Centering the nexus of our faith on the self is like placing faith in a constantly moving target and it leaves us isolated and alone. Here, in this community, what we claim to have faith in is the complete opposite of individualism. What we have here is not a moving target, but a steady and ever-present God who offers God's self over and over and over. Listen closely to the Eucharistic prayer this morning. Really, do. It recounts the story of God's offering God's self through creation, through the patriarchs and matriarchs, through the prophets, and through Jesus, his child. God makes God's self present to us time after time at this Eucharistic table. What we place our faith in here is ever-present and endlessly offered. What we have faith in here through our baptism is membership in Christ's body, the church which unites us to the Trinity and connects us to others who, like the wise men, have twists and turns and long journeys but nonetheless keep searching diligently for God. What we have here is community and companionship. But even though we have this steady, stable, all-in-with-us God, even though we have the church, the body of Christ, and are not isolated and alone, there is call after call after call to have faith in something else, to have faith in our careers or our abilities or our bank accounts or our reputations. As we move out of this holiday time and back into regular life in this first full week of 2020, let us ask ourselves the question that this Epiphany passage offers. What do I lean into to make sense of life? And what are the consequences? Amen.